No time to waste. Last one to the beach, it's a workaholic. <laughs> Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJ Kayton Let's get the Neighbours. Hello, this is Neighbours. We are the Neighbours recap podcast. We recap episodes of the 35-year-old Australian soap opera Neighbours. Happy birthday, Neighbours and Ellie Conway. We are in Melbourne's Paranet Studios at a safe distance apart under a blanket of disinfectant. I'm Vaya. I'm a TV writer who can't suspend disbelief. I have Kate here who tweets about Neighbours most nights at Remude. Hi, everyone. I have CJ, who's also known as Catherine Jones or CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram. Hello. And we've linked up via Lyra. We've fired up Grace and Global Communications and we have TV writer, producer, script producer, Dan Bennett. Hello. Hello, everyone. Good to, good to be here, even if it is remotely. We're trialling some quarantine podcasting. We are responsible social distances. Well, yes. yeah, in Australia, we've been advised to self-isolate. Is that the word they're using? Socially distance. Socially distance, yeah. which, but I think actually it's not the same rules in the UK. So, If anyone's listening and you are in a position to work from home or self-isolate or minimise group gatherings, even just last week we said, oh, go to the pub. And I, I wouldn't say that today. No. Don't go to the pub. But even, you know, I didn't know it's socially distanced. You know, other than just opting to not see people, <laughs> was to ask. I, know, I know. Welcome, welcome to life. Yeah, and now I do. Now it's a thing. CJ, tell the listeners what your plans are for the next X amount of weeks. I'm gonna work from home, well, and I'm not gonna leave the home really. And what were you going to be doing this time next week? This time next week, I was going to be on a plane going to LA, and then I was going to be getting off that plane and going to Disneyland. Yeah. Actually, I was going to go to Laguna Beach first. <laughs> Just because I've never been there and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to Laguna Beach. That's not happening now. Now there's talk of me doing that in October, maybe. Fingers crossed. But you're doing this for the greater good. You've sacrificed your luxury trip. Also, shit's but, closed, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing to do. Um, I must say, my travel agent, Hello World North Melbourne and Qantas Airlines, I love you very much for... <laughs> Are you trying to get some SponCon? Yes, that hashtag. I, 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 I can't say. Nobody has charged me and they've given me my money back and I, I'm very... Bless them. You know, it's, not, it's none of their fault yeah. that this happened. I had to cancel a Rapunzel impersonator this week. Oh. I mean, yeah. Let's get happy news going. I was about to go down a dark path and go, let's just hire her to clean a house. Like, Amy, no, that's no good. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> I disinfected my house today and I'd love it if someone else came and did that. You know what? I'd even love it if it wasn't the gender I was interested in came and yeah. did that naked just because it would be someone else cleaning. Um, I heard a positive story today. Yes. So I'd like to spread it. There's a 105-year-old woman in China who made it through and she's virus clear. Yes. So she's the oldest person to get through this virus. And I'm very proud of her. And I think we should all celebrate this woman. I don't know her name, but let's celebrate I was her. Say, let's hear it for Ma Naka. Yeah, Ma Naka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cheers. She can't come down for her ailing son surgery, but she could get through that. See, now that storyline now makes a lot of sense. Yes. Why she couldn't get on the plane because she had diabetes, I think. Yeah. And it makes sense. Don't get on the plane if you've got diabetes yeah. at the moment. But my first question to you, Dan, because your background, you've essentially been at the helm of the soap over the road, home and away, yes. making their, these big decisions. 
what happens when there's massive breaking national news or global news and you're three months out and there's no way you can reference it? You just cross your fingers and hope that you haven't put anything in the show that is completely inappropriate because like you said you can't you can't reference it so you sort of but you think back and go what have we dropped in that may be really awful at this particular point in time and just hope for the best some of the uk soaps and neighbors recently have been able to drop some some breaking news in but you know it's tricky and you just gotta gotta hope that it doesn't jar too much in the real world you go like in retrospect probably shouldn't have had that plane crash into that building kind of thing yeah that kind of thing (laughs) there was a point during home and away days where every time we'd crash a bus or crash a plane which was every other week um (laughs) there would be one in the world and we sort of thought that we were setting some really awful trends but um you you try not to do it you just crush crush your fingers and hope it doesn't happen too often so next time you should just like you know vote in governments that want health care and um (laughs) other things like that and just wait and see for it to happen (laughs) so the power that we could possibly have that's right it's like early edition but it's episodes of home and away predicting what's (laughs) happening neighbors council business the business again just wanted to say on the on virus chat if people are feeling isolated you know down in the dumps anxious jump onto the neighbors council our facebook group there's chats ahoy in there there's threads for all the last all 10 episodes this week yeah all the episodes from neighbors neighbors 35 week and just heaps of other chats going on or tweet at neighbors pod or our own instagrams and there's plenty of conversation flying around there's going to be a lot of chat about the sheer amount of bare asses we've seen on screen. <laughs> yeah. I've already screenshotted one and put it up for you. Thanks to Lou who joined the council. Lou listens at home when I need to listen to some grown-up conversation during a day of looking after my toddler. Oh, I hear you. We all felt that was a kindred spirit there. Uh, and thank you to everyone who sent me beautiful messages about the forthcoming baby coos. Uh, very touched by all of those. Thank you very much. And hope it's at least something positive in this crazy time. And new patron, patreon.com slash neighbourspod. We've just hit 80 patrons. <gasps> oh, my um, God. The 100 is that's coming. That's awesome. Yeah. Melissa, thank you for joining. We said we'd put on a neighbours night if we hit 100. But obviously, we're going to have to wait and see if we can have a public gathering oh, yes, by then. Oh, that's probably a good point. <laughs> but if not, we'll think of a remote way to do it. The only other thing is if you haven't caught up on all the huge early and late episodes from Neighbours this past week. Don't listen to the rest of this episode because we're going to... Spoilers within. Yeah. yeah, press pause, go watch a week's worth of hour-long <laughs> Neighbours episodes and then come back. This is business. It's not personal. Well, that brings me to the fact that most of us, well, at least CJ and I, binged essentially the entire week in a night. We watched five hours of Neighbours in a night. Mm-hmm. We had access to some preview episodes I felt like I was watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something. I couldn't go to bed. <laughs> I did all of this directly after cancelling my trip. Yeah. And it really helped me get through it. <laughs> I've, I've got to say that it really, really helped. All those um, deaths. I was going to say, it could be worse. Yeah. could be worse, CJ. It yep. could be worse. Imagine if I had taken the trip to Finn's Firefest Island. <laughs> <laughs> You could be like all those people that couldn't make it to the fire festival. Mm-hmm. All those people that didn't board the Titanic. You're like, oh, oh thank goodness. Because <laughs> could you imagine being in quarantine with that group in those tents? And then people just keep turning up as well. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck, nobody invited Gazcan. Okay, why is he here? How's the serenity? <laughs> I know, right? Could you imagine how awkward that is? You're just hooking up with the neighbor chick and dad gets there. <laughs> oh. oh, I know. Oh, it feels bad, mm. doesn't it? 
Oh, okay. We're going we to get to that. dive straight in. We're going to get to that. I have um, some more questions for Dan to kick us off, though. Shoot. We're going to kick off the analysis of the late episodes, I'm calling them, all the Firefest Island episodes. And then our next episode will be covering the wedding, the early episodes. So the production values of this these five hours of, of episodes, I thought were stunning. Mm, fantastic, yeah. For watching that from someone who makes telly like this, what were your reactions? It looked fantastic. I mean, this is kind of unfamiliar territory for neighbours. Like, this is the stuff that the soap across the road, as you say, um, is pretty well versed in. They do this kind of big action stuff all the time. It's not usually a neighbour's wheelhouse, but I thought they did an awesome job. Scott Major directed all of these episodes and the pictures were stunning and also did a really, really great job in matching the stuff that was shot on location to the stuff that Mm -hmm. was shot in studio really seamlessly. I mean, if you didn't know, then you would assume that, you know, you could assume that that mine shaft stuff and all the interior tent stuff was shot out on location because it looked, looked, the pictures looked the same. So it was a really seamless marrying of the location and studio stuff and it looked really, really good. And he got some lovely performances out of the cast. For me, Ben Turlin, Benjamin Turlin was the best he's, he's been. Um, he's, he's our, he's our favorite. Yeah. Um, look, I've, I haven't watched the show regularly in a while, but the last time I was watching it more regularly, I was sort of a bit concerned about him. Like I thought he was still struggling to find his feet, but, um, he, he was really confident and really relaxed in all this stuff, really conversational in his delivery. And I, so I wasn't sure if that was just something that Scott was getting out of him for this block or if he's, he's been like that for a while. So it's great to hear that he's, he's one of your favorites. Yeah. I think he's hit his stride just mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Really impressive. Kate, you observed in April Pengilly's Instagram that yes. some of the location insights. Yeah, she shared kind of behind the scenes shots of, of the, the tents inside the studios, like with the studio lighting on top. And when you're looking at them on screen, you're like, wow, that really does look like natural light coming through mm. a, a canvas tent. But also, so the island itself, the beach was at Point Leo. And the bush scenes were somewhere north of Melbourne, apparently. And Point Leo is just right by Phillip Island and French Island. Yes. Which, yep. except it's onto the ocean. Yeah. Then the, as Dan, you said, the mineshaft scenes were also on in studio. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if they kind of recycled the the old well that yeah. um, NCZ and Immy fell down a few <laughs> years back, and and like so he missed his wedding because it kind of had that kind of feeling. And we've also seen some behind the scenes of Bonnie falling in the ma- mine, mm. and I thought. That was, as Dan mentioned, I, I feel bad calling that big action because she just fell. Yeah. But I really enjoyed that because she, it was just all super drama. Like the way she fell was like slow-mo and she's yelling out, Ben. And I just thought, <gasps> I loved it. And I loved the, um, you know, the, like the movie. Cinematic quality. Cinematic quality of like Finn running around with archery and like, oh, yeah. you know. He's been scary as shit all yeah. week, hasn't he? Yeah. And not just him. There's a few moments that made me go, what the like actual shock moments that we'll touch on mm. as we get to them. Also, yeah, it can't be easy to have a slow-mo reaction on your face and then everything that's going through her face is, oh, my boyfriend's a nutter again. B- betrayal. <laughs> um, baby, baby Madge saw it tonight. She was up a bit later and, you know, like the 7 o'clock episodes, they're a little bit racy for a five-year-old now. They are. And she was saying, 
why did she fall? And like Phil and I were just saying to her, oh, yeah, she just tripped over. She just fell in. <laughs> and then, then they showed a bit more of the footage of Millsy like pushing it. And she goes, oh, he pushed her. And we're like, no, no, she fell. Okay, let's stop watching right now. <laughs> We're going to talk about toxic masculinity, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it looked stunning. I've had some conversations with the uh, colorist actually, since I discovered uh, we're Instagram pals. He said, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing, that it was two of the toughest, I think it was four of the toughest weeks of his career working on all of those I mean, episodes. Could, I mean, for the locations to be like in such different geographic areas on different days and that sort of thing, it all matches up pretty well, I think. Yeah. So, Andrew, I'm sure he doesn't mind me shouting him out. These episodes were the biggest thing the production's done to date. The two weeks I spent working on the island and wedding episodes were probably the most challenging weeks I've had in my four years at Neighbours. Almost all the shoots were on location and we had to account for different camera types, weather changes, time of day, and even converting day shoots to look night. Mm. So, there's a lot that goes into it. And much more than when I just slide for a filter on Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> it turns out. Well, all the hard work was definitely worth it because, yeah, the episodes looked incredible and I think one of the best things about them, if they ever wanted to cut them together into a telly movie, they would seamlessly sit, you know, back to back as a, not just narratively, but also visually and hold their own as a, you know, a telly movie because they the pictures looked really filmic and really great. And so did the soundtrack was equally as impressive. So, yeah, really, really good job. The soundtrack, I think Kate is concerned for the budget. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they used, um, they started off with Dance Monkey and I was like, oh, shit, we're going to have no original music. (laughs) Yeah, this year. Yeah, B will be singing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the year. (laughs) But also just um, the ambient music was stunning Mm -hmm. as well. Very Mm -hmm. stirring, like strings and things like that. Oh, by the way, I don't think they played Dance Monkey at the start in the UK. It was something oh, else. I saw oh. on the council. They got go- Girls Allowed? I think so. But then I saw someone else say, we also had Girls Allowed. No, I'm, I'm not big I Girls we Allowed need to do, Okay, if someone wants to do a forensic comparison of UK and, and Australian apps, which I'm sure we have people <gasps> I, that will. There will have to be because I reckon there was um, some language in the Australian apps that wouldn't have passed the oh. UK filter and possibly ass <gasps> cheeks so as well. I, so I don't forget them later because I always forget. The word shit was said that was uh, that was like hands down the most explicit thing ever said on neighbors <laughs> and the word sex yes oh. yeah are you allowed to say sex on home and away yes. dan you can say sex yeah and i mean technically in pg you can say shit <laughs> we can talk more about it when we get to it let's go monday the 16th of march 2020 paul robinson does a lovely recap of the finn story so far in his very drama voice and we jump on to the Speed 2 boat. It looks like Finn's driving it at one point, but he's just at the helm. He's... Oh, it's, surely it's got to be B all the way with her boat license. I was wondering because she said a few weeks ago, Dan, that she's got her boat license. So I thought, well, they've planted that seed for her to... Hmm. Okay. I didn't notice her didn't notice her driving the boat, but maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. Did you guys all notice Pierce flexing his pecs on the boat? I did, yeah. Oh, did you feel queasy? Or a bit um, seasick? You know what? I just think everything about Pierce is straight to form on brand. Yeah. I didn't, to me, I didn't bat an eyelid. I was like, that's yeah. just another day at the office on a boat. He is. He made that leg day joke the other week. Now this. It's just what he is. Okay, I do have a Pierce question just off the bat while we're talking about him. So this mm-hmm. island that he owns is pretty impressive, right? It's huge, and mm. so he's obviously a gazillionaire. Why does he live in that little house on a cul-de-sac? 
Dan, he doesn't just live there. He He's renting it. <laughs> I just, I couldn't wrap my head around that because I thought like maybe he had the penthouse at Lassiter's that Paul used to have or something. But no, he lives in that little house, in Charlene's house. When we first met him, he was in quite a lovely display-looking home. Right. Quite a schmick uh, setup. Then when they moved Hendrix down to give him a little taste of suburban life and normalcy and to keep Chloe in her home, that he grabbed the Brendan and moved in. Right. Okay. Sure. It's, it's kind of it's a it's a depressing house though. Really, it's still got the you know, original glass beside the doors and that. Like he, you think he'd go in there and just say, "Let's just remodel this entire place." I don't care if I'm renting. You know, let's let's just yeah fix it up. All right. Thank you for answering that question. Oh well, no. Look, there is no real answer to that question. <laughs> okay, it, it doesn't yeah. make sense. You are 100 percent correct. He should live in the penthouse. Also, the island's vegetation is well maintained. Uh, like someone's been looking after it. Someone mowed the campsite. Well, well, someone set up those tents. Well, the staff. Chloe yeah. mentioned the staff several times, which sounded really eerie. Like, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> that campsite, somebody had hefted in multiple pot plants onto that island and, like, big, heavy wooden side tables and that. And I'm like, those minions out there working for him, they're working pretty hard. And she's got power because there's some kind of generator because Roxy was near the PowerPoint to plug her phone yes, in. she was. And there's a portaloo, thank God. Portaloo. <laughs> But also Chloe was happy to have this event sight unseen. Like, I don't know if the, the staff, quote unquote, video chatted her to show her where everything was. You think she'd be going, I'd like a view of the ocean from the campsite. No, no, you've just got this, like, what looks like something out of, like, a Vietnam War film. All the scenes that were cut is just Chloe on the phone to the staff going, I said they were facing <laughs> north and you've got them south, you know, like, so she, maybe there's all this business stuff we don't see, but she's putting on her PR face. I guess we're setting it up because maybe the staff are going to find them. All dead. Well, not all dead. Maybe 35 people died. It's not, it's not just three. They just keep killing people. So here's the thing. Obviously, by now we know there's no resolution at the end of the damn week. There's still... This is false advertising. They advertise three deaths. There's still one to come. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're still not 100% confirmed that one of the deaths actually happened. Well, okay. All right, hang on. Should we Which, say it or should we not say no, it? No, no, we'll, we'll get to, we'll it. Get I, to look, it. I just I've got a point to raise. It, it looked of, pretty dead. <laughs> when when they got off the boat, Ellie is carrying her backpack, a baby bag, and her goddamn three month old child in a capsule. Yep, you've got exactly the same yeah. note, CJ. Firstly, she takes her baby on a dinghy. Yes. <laughs> right, on a dinghy. Yeah, no, which I, I still haven't taken my children in a dinghy. No. Well, I haven't any kind of body of water no. vessel. Oh, actually, a, a ferry earlier this, well, last year, but still. We went on one of those steamboats at Echuca. That's. <laughs> Did you have a death grip on your son the whole time? Yeah, and I gave him an icy pole so he'd stay still. And do, do you not feel like you'd put your baby in something, if you're going on a boat, you'd put it maybe in something that floated rather than something that would sink? Mm. Or like one of those water slings, maybe. Yeah. So if you had to swim. She has a sling because Finn helped her learn how to use it. Oh, that, that capsule, they weigh at least four kilos or something. Poor Ellie would have been just straining under the weight of her child, everything. And then you see B walking beside her just with a small handbag. And I was like, <laughs> that's, that's child-free lifestyle right there. And half of Ellie's wardrobe. Isn't she the lighthouse? Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice lighthousing, B. Yeah. Mm. Straight away, we've got Coxie. Kyle, Roxy, flirtation oh, yeah. up to 11. 
have you seen much of Roxy before, Dan? I've seen a little bit of Roxy. This was sort of my biggest exposure to Roxy, and she's there's she's a lot. <laughs> she's she's a pocket rocket. Yeah, and they're a lot together. <laughs> she's never not on. Yeah, always on. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of energy between the two of them. Finn needs to have a nap, which is relatable. It's my life at the moment, just always napping. So I was I was like, yep, get off a boat. That's half the day done. Time to have a nap. So he's like, I'm not going to go swimming. Toadie's like, we've all got to go swimming. Let's go. By the way, Toadie is living his best life. Don't let the anniversary of your dead wife and the beach get to you. I loved his line somewhere towards the start of the episode. He says, last one to the beach is a workaholic. <laughs> oh, ouch. Toad. Oh, now poor Toad. He, he got to have this, you know, night away from his kids to have a relax. Gets to share a tent with a newborn baby. Yeah. <laughs> that is no holiday. And Ali, who probably drinks quite a bit to get to sleep. So she's <laughs> sleeping through all of this. So while the glamping gang, we should run through them. Coxie, Kyle Roxy, Pierce, Chloe, Toad. Finn. B. And then then some added guests that we'll meet along the way. Um, they're all having a frolic, but down by the beach. Finn stops to do his orienteering course and he stumbles across our favourite geographic location, Kate. Old Watson, Maine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very ominous from the moment he circled it with his big red sharpie on the map. Now, Chloe Brennan, you're starting a new business, a glamping business on an uninhabited island. And you have a staff set up to bring in all this glamping equipment. You don't have staff come and secure the only dangerous thing on the island, which is an abandoned mine shaft. <laughs> that is bad business sense, girl. She must never have got that map. No. She must not have the access to the map engine, the Grayson Global Globe. globe. But I, I always thought... Too many Js. I also thought, like, oh, how glamorous is this glamping where you have to do all your bloody food prep as well? I'm like, that looks like hard work in a tent. <laughs> but they get to play beach cricket, so it's fine. Oh, yeah. Chekhov's cricket stump. Oh. Chekhov's everything. Chekhov's having a bloody party out there on that island. <laughs> because then we have Chekhov's archery set appear. Yeah. I am so willing for that archery set to have been there just for that to have happened. Not what happened with them eventually yeah. but the fact that finn walked around like a hunter oh that was he was menacing it was awesome so i don't even care how that got there and how <laughs> ridiculous it was i but don't even care also the fact that he just knew yeah you know, like whenever you do archery at school camp mm-hmm. takes you a few goes and you stumble a bit no nah, no stumbling <laughs> i think if you're a psychopath there isn't and i just want to point out while we're here when we did archery in year seven camp i was really good at it <laughs> It's the only sport I've ever been good at. <laughs> so now who else rocks up? Old mates, Hendrix and Harlow. It's hard to make a couple name for them, isn't it? Yeah, I just... Hardrix. I've, I've been writing down Harlix, I think. Oh, well, I like Harlix. 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 But they... Sounds like a part for a car. They want to get away from the olds. Harlow's having a stressful time because their mum's been booted out of the cult and wants to marry Gary. So they want to get away from it all and they get to the island. And my biggest holy fucking shit moment of the first one of the week was when they get off their own boat and who is driving it there to the island? Harry Sinclair, who is Millsy. I don't really know what he is. But he's he's Millsy's he's, lover, he's, I gathered, from if, wow. I put, if I put the pieces of the puzzle together right. <laughs> Look, it's not as simple as that. He used to be a, a colleague and then, yeah, became his lover and then they were plotting together to kill everyone. He was in. He fell in love with... Millsy, as one does, and Millsy strung him along. Right. 
but they had like an emotional affair, I think. Okay. So this was... And I reckon they totally did the deed before this. I Yeah. It didn't seem like it was the first time for either of them. But, <laughs> um, but we know that Millsy... I feel bad calling him Millsy. No, we now. can't call him Finn. We could have yeah, called him Millsy. We know that yeah. Finn. Or Sideshow Finn, as Sally pointed out his likeness on the Neighbours Council. True. Is willing to sleep with someone for it, you know, it means to an end. Yeah. Right. So I just think they've had an affair and his sexuality's fluid, mm. but also he will just sleep with anyone to get what he wants. Yeah. Let's have bisexuals be murderers on this show. Why not? No problem. Can, can we just go straight to that moment? Like, can we just ignore, just go to Tuesday's episode and just oh, yeah. say, so when Harry was chatting to Finn, well, Finn's just wearing a towel, after he's perved on his bare ass getting into the dam or whatever. He wasn't the only one. Sam, we I all know. Got to do it too. He's only human. <laughs> I was like, wow, this has got to be like the sauciest moment in Neighbours history. When I was on the run, you were the only one who understood me. How do I know you're telling me the truth? Because I am. I care about you, Harry. I want you in my life. I want to do all the things that we talked about doing. Then prove it. Which was then trumped not two minutes later by the hands-down sauciest moment in Neighbours history where the two of them were buttoning up their clothes after they had clearly banged. Had SEX on the on the banks of the lake. My jaw hit the floor I because I just was like, They've gone there and it's amazing. See, at this point I was 20 minutes ahead of Vaya. So Vaya jumps on and says, I'm going to watch the episodes and I've seen this and I had to keep that to myself <laughs> for 20 minutes. And then like 20 minutes later I'm just like, the lake, the lake scene. <laughs> um, it was like Brokeback Mountain. Could have given him a kiss goodbye though. After they slept together, then there was just a bit of a hug. I was a bit disappointed with that. Yeah. I thought he was going to kill him. At that stage, I thought, yeah, this, this is going to be like, oh, I've got another boat I can escape on now. I'm okay with that too, but I think there should have been a goodbye. Yeah. A, a kiss would have been delightful, but yeah. like a rough kiss where he could kill him after it. Now, what Harry has over Finn is that he has witnessed what Finn has done to B, and he's taken B for a walk. Instead of she tries it on, they try and have a little afternoon delight, but he keeps short circuiting and picturing Ellie, and so he takes her for a walk. They find the the old Watson mine. <laughs> You've got a sting to put with that every time Kate says it. No, I just say it the same way each time. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> so not only that, he films it. Yeah. So um, oh, Harry does. He's, he's put it up on the cloud, which later in the like the week, all their three G goes to, to goes to shit. So I don't know how he uploaded a goddamn video. I'd be if I was Finn, I'd be like. Mate, I've lived in the country before. That video is not going anywhere until you're back in the city. Yeah, call his bluff. <laughs> and also, how are the cops going to, quote unquote, get into Harry's cloud anyway? Yeah, that, that's, that's a big that, issue. It's actually. really locked down. Oh, is it? Yeah, they can't get into things. Apple have locked things down. Well, they get Bailey down from the Gold Coast and he can... Oh, yeah, ba- Bailey's on the dark web, yeah. Dan. So Finn has said to B, oh, here, I'll take a photo of you. Step further back, step further back, right on the edge of the mine. And then he walks over to her and says, goodbye, B," and pushes her down the fucking mine shaft, which was an incredible moment. The other part, on the way up, B, who I have made a note that the saddest B is definitely B. <laughs> I'll have yeah. to divert to Kate for the end. But she said, what are you planning at the lookout? She thinks he's going to propose. 
She dies thinking he's about to propose. He just proposed two weeks ago and she said no. But she's going to say yes now because she's so desperate. Until she falls into the mine. Yeah. Well, she doesn't die. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, (laughs) wow, she falls backwards. (laughs) You're like, what episodes have you watched? She really bounces back a few hours later. But my favourite part was afterwards when Finn's just going, oh, sorry, this was meant to be quick. (laughs) I was like, this is like... (laughs) It's like, an, it's like a farce. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he, he monologues at her and he says, you know, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Like you were meant to go fast. She's like, my leg hurts. Ow. <laughs> Have a boo-boo. I'm sorry. It has to be like this. It's, it's, it's the only way. Why? Why? It's meant to be quick. It's a big drop. The, the fall alone should have... I didn't want you to be in pain. I was trying to be kind. Let me just chuck some stones at you. I don't know what that was supposed to achieve. Well, put her out of her misery. But he kept missing. (laughs) Uh, I guess that's how he got so good later when he got towed. And then later in the week, he's like, oh, I didn't mean to hurt B. I'm like, your whole plot with the map and the island and the diversion was to kill your girlfriend. (laughs) Don't Mm -hmm. walk it back now, mate. Anyway, I couldn't imagine where her head was at, that poor girl. As she lay in the darkness while he was standing above her going, I'm evil again, Soz. (laughs) The sex scene where Finn kept imagining that it was Ali, I thought that was super great. If you can make it back somehow to see Millsy, actual Millsy, watching it on Instagram, um, he does a bit of a commentary of him watching it. What does he say? Was this in his stories? He said, hey, you weren't there. Oh, who, who are you? And he's running through, yeah, in his <laughs> stories. I, between watching Millsy be a terrorist on television <laughs> and then by day watching Millsy try and find toilet paper. Oh, and then yeah. He's been on a real journey. Yeah, he has. And then he watches these episodes with friends and stuff. Yeah. And it's the best commentary I've seen all week. The end of all of that, Harlow and Hendrix decide not to join the main campers. They're going to, as 17-year-olds would, we're like, well, let's just be by ourselves in our own tent. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I I looked at that and I was like, where are you guys going to shoot? Like, we know the other people have a portaloo, but like, and we, know, and we know the paper's scarce. <laughs> um, I don't think they're thinking about that. They're thinking about what other bodily functions they're going to use. Yeah. Um, but also, like, because it doesn't matter how cool Pierce and Chloe are to us, they're still someone's dad and stepmom. Yeah. So they don't want to be there. Now into Tuesday. Bums ahoy. <laughs> It was really delightful. Uh, bees down the little bit, little bees down the well, and Finn just goes and tells the rest of the camp. And look, what was his plan here? I'll get rid of her, and then I'll just say I dumped her, and she decided she needed to leave and her not, sister's birthday. And no one was going to raise the alarm. Well, he was right; no one did. <laughs> he gets back and says, "I've broken it. B and I broke up. We had a fight. She's taken the dinghy back to land. I guess this is why she has a boat license." Oh, oh well done. Okay, now it all now it all makes sense. But also, if you're heartbroken and you're just stealing a dinghy, do you need a license? <laughs> the question is, their boat, the actual millionaire's boat, is moored off the island. How are they getting to that boat without a dinghy? Oh, so yeah, they weren't worried when the dinghy they weren't was worried gone because all the adults, at least, could probably swim with all their stuff getting wet. But old Asta in her like sinking device wouldn't make it to the boat, would she? Yeah, no one was worried at all, unless there was more than one dinghy. I just feel like this is a new parent thing where you say yes and, like, there was a great scene in the letdown where she takes her baby out for dinner mm. and she's like, no, it's fine, I'm, I'm fine. Ali has got to this island and realised none of this has been set up for 
her, <laughs> and she's just like, I've got to make it through the five days. It's I'm going to get through it. That is a long time to take a baby. Anywhere. Camping. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Susan could have maybe offered to like babysit or something. I mean, Susan had a lot on with the expo, but there's no reason Aaron and David couldn't have looked after her. That is true. I just cancelled a pretty elaborate trip. I think she could have cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think all she needed to say was, no, let's just go out for one night. That sounds like fun. But the thing is, Ellie is a massive woman child. There is nothing she loves more than people making a huge fuss about her 35th birthday like anyone gives a shit. Which I said a few months ago, 35 isn't a huge milestone. Neighbours, can you save some? It it is for neighbours. No, save some stuff for 40. (laughs) I'm exhausted. I know, right? But also, she's just your sad friend who things aren't really working out for. And she was a party girl. And she's like, remember when I used to be a party girl? And they're like, you can still be one. There was a line, it was on Monday's episode, when B said, come into the water with me. And Ali said, oh, I've got to stay with Asta. Like she was really disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) And I think she was was waiting for someone else to jump in and go, I've got her, it's okay. No one did. But also, Not a soul. I'd be like, no, no, please go ahead. That water is bass straight. (laughs) It is freezing. Arctic. Also, I noticed that the cot they've set up for Aster in the tent is the Sumbri Cocoon Bassinet cot. <laughs> uh, now that these things are on my shortlist, and uh, I'm not going to get it now because it's creeping me out being on Fire Island. But yeah, just a zip up little cocoon. Uh, that is actually, I feel, a place where it's probably appropriate to have a net over your baby. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about it for the cats, but camping, mosquitoes or cats? That was my only thought. Cats have claws, though, they can just break the net. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I've moved on. I've sleep trained the cats now. They're like fins. Okay. And Toadie, Toadie goes off to the, this is where Toadie gets speared on Tuesday. Oh, God. Okay, Toad just wants one night away from the kids. Oh, he got to do his mulloway fishing. It was this big. I love Buddy Pierce and Buddy Toad. I just think that's a cute little friendship and they went night fishing together. There was a lot of jokes, as Kate mentioned, about how big the fish was. This is the second time I've had an innuendo joke about Toadie's Oh, snapper. Yeah. The other week he got a small pickle. Oh, yeah. And now he's exaggerating the size of his fish. Oh, no. I don't like this. But he he felt like he was... He was, yeah. he was dressed like he was going to Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Isn't he always? Yeah. <laughs> he's dressed like that for work. Yeah. At this point, Chloe's concerned because she wants to get back for her brother's wedding. One of, her, one of her brother's weddings that he always has. Oh my god, that pisses me off so much. I know Mark Brennan gets married every year, but come on, surely your brother's wedding is more important than some sad bitch's thirty fifth birthday. And she said they could hire a chopper. She said, "Pierce, yeah. can we use the chopper? If you've got a chopper, firstly, chopper everyone into the island, exactly, <laughs> and secondly, pop in and pop out again." If you've got a chopper, everyone get out. Ben is crazy. Actually, Dan, when you're plotting these things on a soap, obviously we know they happen so much more often on Home and Away. How do you put the pieces into place for something massive to happen like this at some point in the year? Oh, look, that is – it's all individual. I would only be guessing how Neighbours did it. I couldn't even begin to imagine their production schedule to get all of this shot because they've got – Studio stuff, location stuff at various locations, trying to cross-shoot that with all the stuff for the regular show. I couldn't even begin to imagine the the logistics of that, but it is a logistical nightmare, and I can only imagine they've been sowing the seeds and for a while. 
yeah, it's a it's a mind f at the best of times, but this was this would be especially so. So would they have decided at some point? All right, so Finn's going to turn evil again, and it's going to happen here. Would they then sort of work backwards? I think so. Yeah, but they would know when their thirty fifth anniversary week was, and mm. they probably decided. All right, well, what are we doing for this week? And it sounds like the three and the five thing, the five weddings and the three deaths, would have probably come up pretty early in the process. They probably knew that they were going with you know, five weddings and three deaths and then work backwards on, well, A, who was going to be those weddings and be those deaths and then work backwards and plant the story, story seeds far enough in advance for all of those, or not far enough in advance in some cases. Some of the weddings were <laughs> a little out of the blue. Work out who's uh, coming to the end of their contract as well. Well, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So we find out as well that Harry's been paroled, which is another flaw in society that people can just get paroled a week after being in this precarious situation but very real Mm, yeah i mean we've had we've had murders like this speaking of parole so i as i said i haven't watched the main show a whole lot in the last couple of months but the last time i saw it milsey was had to live with susan and carl who he'd previously tried to murder (laughs) because he was on he needed some sort of supervision or whatnot so how was he allowed to go off to this island on his own was there, like, you, you was may, that covered you, off in the main show of why he was just allowed to flit around the place? Indeed it was. And you may wonder why Toady was only there for that one night. Ah. It was because he was the responsible person who was meant to acknowledge, like, because it was meant to be Finn's check-in day at the police for his parole. Right. And because he was away, Toady managed to swing a deal that he could be the responsible person that verified he checked in. Right. Okay. And then left him alone on the island. Yeah, there was a big journey to get a babysitter for Finn. Like, everyone was going, oh, I can't do it, you have to do it, blah, blah, blah. They settled on Toadie, and I was appalled that Toadie only had to be there for 24 hours because the whole point is that Finn's not allowed to do things unsupervised. So With his victims. They leave the lawyer, and then the lawyer goes to catch his water taxi back after a night. Well, maybe that will be a story point coming up. Maybe Toadie will get into trouble for oh. leaving Millsy alone to murder Half of the cast. Who knows? Can you imagine if Toady finally gets disbarred? So he goes to leave, but then on his way, he sees the little glint of the dinghy that Milsey has stashed in the bushes. And he sees Finn and says, oh, look, look, we've got to get some help because you said B took the dinghy, but I found the dinghy and there's no B. Mm. And Milsey has no explanation ready. No, I know. So what does he do? He picks up a big stone and conks Toad on the head with it. Toadfish down. And that's the line from the promo, you've always been good to me, and then smashes him on the head. Do you notice he's got a big tat on his calf? Yeah. Toad. Toad. Yeah, he's got. He's with, pretty into the tats. Well, I don't think Toadie is, but um, Ryan is. I reckon there's a Sonia tat to be had somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ned's got to give him one, surely. But oh. then, then Milsey grabs out of Toadie's bag, aforementioned Chekhov's cricket stump. And you're like, oh, God, no. Oh, God, don't don't spear the toad. Instead, he puts a hole in the boat and toad's going to spend six months in a leaky boat. I just spent six months in a leaky boat. Pushes toad out to sea with the boat, with the hole in it. It looks very dire at this point for the toadfish. But you know what? I looked at that and I thought, Harold survived much worse. (laughs) That man floated to Tasmania. Toadie can wash up on a beach. 50 metres away, all fine. Let alone D. Yeah, his wife survived it, so he could suck it up, big boy. boy, boy. It's starting to crescendo now, the week. 
At this point, I was checking my watch and going, look, Finn, you've got three people to kill. <laughs> um, it's Wednesday. <laughs> Should have gone for Harry, mate. You had, you had him in your arms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He probably could have done with some choking. He might have enjoyed that. <laughs> Faster than pushing him down a shallow hole. Okay, so we're starting off with um, Harlow going for a bit of a wander. Oh, we, we forgot to mention she and Hendrix decided not to have sex. Yeah, it was a very sweet scene, I thought, with Haldrix in the tent. Harlow was a bit nervous. It was yeah. her first time, but she wanted to go ahead and Hendrix was very considerate of her. And he had his hand up her top. That was he, too far, too he, far. He, he got to the underboob and that was that was a line crossed there. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, out of here. And she snaps and goes rogue. And runs off into the wilderness. I have to say, they're very cute together, though. It's been a long time since I've been kind of invested in one of the teen couples, and they're really cute together. I agree. And I was worried they were going to do the classic bad boy, nerd girl matchup. But they're they're very good at coming to each other's level in terms of intellect and sass. They've got the sass, but they've also got the severely damaged by terrible mothers that Mm. they bond on to. I thought Harlow cracking it for no real reason, was excellent because it's exactly what a teenage girl would do. Yes. Like, I'm having feelings and they don't make sense, but you're just going to go with it. And it's it's your fault. Yeah. Because you're in front of me, so that's it. And I do love that his dad was like, what did you do later to her? <laughs> and also, it's the 18th of March, therefore, happy birthday, neighbours. Happy birthday, Ellie. <laughs> Uh, we wake up with the birthday cake. Chloe does a Stella Coyle impression. I appreciate it. And Ellie has the guilt on her birthday because she feels like a bad sister because she keeps texting her sister who's not responding. So Finn sent these decoy texts saying, I've gone off. I'm driving up to Sydney to see mum. No one's picked up the phone to call B to check that she's okay. They're just like, oh, she's not answering. Whatever. By the way, going to see Auntie Pippa is the last thing that she would do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, did you know, Dan, that Ellie and um, B's mum is, what's her name? Deborah Lawrence. I did. I did. It's a bit dis- I watched it a little bit when she was in it. I found it very disconcerting to see Pippa be not a good mother because she's meant to be a good mother. Yeah, so she- I found that to be very, very concerning on a sort of very real level, given my history. Yeah, it, it was. I found it tough, but it was great to see her play against Sue's. Yes, it was fantastic, actually. Yeah, she's really good in that role. I almost want Suze to go over to the caravan park and mess some shit up in return. Yeah, <laughs> let's mix awesome. it up a bit, absolutely. Now, we find Chekhov's bracelet, because a couple of weeks ago, B went on a shopping spree to DFO <laughs> and bought this bracelet with the letter B on it and some seashells, and then B finds it by the old Watson mine. Hang on, say, old Watson mine. <laughs> <laughs> and... She notices B's down there, jumps straight down there. Oh, jumps on the ladder, which um, Finn had already hacked away at. Yeah, this is where I have a big problem. So I've been I've been going along with the story so far, but that this really bothered me because Harlow is meant to be quite an intelligent girl, and yeah. she didn't even she ran up, realized B was down this mine. She didn't say, "Oh my god, what happened?" Mm. She didn't ask anything. She just said, "Hang on, I'm coming down." Like it just didn't feel real to me at all, just because the plot sort of needed her to get down the mine with a backpack. Like, that was odd as well because they needed the backpack for a later plot point. But it just didn't feel real. I just thought they could have massaged that scene a lot better to sort of make it make more sense that she actually went down there. Plus, she had a phone. She didn't try to call for help when she was up there. Mm. She only tried to call for help when she was down there and then she couldn't get reception because you're in a hole. How could you script doctor that to make it believable that she would jump down the hole? 
with no questions asked. Even, yeah, it's just a few questions of like, oh my God, what happened if B was sort of saying, I don't have time to explain, like my leg is about to explode, explode or like put, really put pressure on Harlow to sort of act without thinking rather than just make Harlow sort of act improbably. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah front foot it instead of react. Yeah, just cover it off a little bit. It wouldn't have been a huge tweak, just to, just to massage it and make it a little bit more palatable to make sense of what she was why she was going down there. Anyway, that was my grab. I wondered, like, I don't I don't know what Finn was doing at that space, but couldn't he have just run up and pushed her as well? <laughs> He's quite good at That's it. True. You know what I mean? Well, she could have got her phone out and fumbled with her phone to, like, try to call for help, and then because she was fumbling with it, dropped it down and then had no choice but to get go down or something. I don't know. There are a couple of options. Oh, yeah, yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I like anyway, that. it's a small thing, but these are the things that keep me awake at night. Oh, hey, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> in the middle of all this, Coxie hooks up. Yeah. They've been setting the screen on fire all week. I reckon, yeah, they've been banging like the dunny door. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I thought it was really raunchy, this pash session they have, CJ. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. So they have a, you know, a little tryst where they're talking about how they, they don't want to be doing this. If I was to imagine it, which I'm not, I think it'd be steamy as... I am respecting your space. And I'm respecting yours. We're just friends, Pash. We're just friends. I'll take my top off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought it was excellent and I really enjoy the chemistry. Also, we don't get to see many removing of the tops in that moment in a really seductive way. Also choreographed so that she was standing up and Kyle was sitting on the bed. So he was literally had his face in her breastuses (laughs) as they were having this conversation. (laughs) So it was really quite for, you know, strip cereal was really quite sexy. Yeah. Can I say breastesses? I just did. Yeah. I, yeah. You did. No, I, but I think it was good. Yeah. Also, there's no other way because of the height difference between those two that that could have happened. Yeah. So You're it was right. obviously very <laughs> purposeful. You know, I find interesting that we're, we're all for the whole Coxie relationship, mm. but the Nashville relationship, you go, oh, there's a bit of an age gap there that seems wrong. But Coyle's got to be a lot older than Ned. Oh. Coyle's Ro- in his 30s and Roxy's, what, 21? Roxy only wears school uniforms for fun. True. Yeah. Yashvi was actively in high school when Ned was pursuing her. <laughs> yeah. She was worried about her maths exam. <laughs> Roxy's never worried about yeah. her maths <laughs> exam in her life. So, And we know Roxy's partial to an older gent. Daddy issues. Yeah. And who else has got daddy issues? Coil. Because guess who's rocked up? Hey, everyone. Look who's here. It's Gary. Gaz Dog. Gary <sighs> Canning. Oh. I think I think out of respect we should say his full name. Gary. Don't be Francis Xavier Canning. Yeah. <laughs> so Gaz has called off the wedding to Prue because she's got booted from the cult and didn't tell him. He's taken an, a boat to the island, a water taxi, whatever, because he wanted to make up with his son who he nearly beat to a pulp last week. And he's like, Dad, I'm on a holiday with me mates. I just got some. <laughs> like, where is he meant to sleep? Is he meant to sleep in Toadie's old bed with Ellie? Like, that's, oh, that's disturbing. Awkward. That's probably what he did want. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that'll work out. <laughs> oh, Gary. What a transition, though, because we've got many of Finn's previous victims here on the island. Now you've got the father of the girl that he groomed and, or, and ran over. And... One of his biggest Roadblock. one of his biggest doubters, like the, Gary's been suspicious of Finn this whole time, well, and he, rightly so. He's never he's never forgiven Finn, whereas everyone else, other than Lucy, yeah. God love her, um, <laughs> has forgiven him. So Gaz came here to make up with his son. 
which they do make up and it's quite beautiful. Thank God. I know. I'm so glad for Kyle that they made up. And that Gary told his mum he loved her like right before he he left Erinsborough. We'll cover that in the the daytime app. <sighs> okay, so yes, actually, when you're talking about plotting, if you once you know that what's happened, once you know that it's poor, you know, R.I.P. Poor Gazcan, um, you go backwards and you really said they did really plant those moments really nicely. If you're looking for it, you probably could have guessed that it was going to be him because it was all you got all the lovely goodbyes that you would expect from that's true. I was the character who's about to meet there. Maker. I was watching yeah, Tuesday's episode just before, the, the earlier episode, when he says to Sheila, oh, you know, you're the best Sheila I know. And then he goes, you're the only Sheila I know. And they both laughed and I was like, oh, God damn it. No. <laughs> and here's the thing. I wasn't looking for those moments and they went right over my head and I didn't pick them up till my second viewing. And I was spoiler free for every single minute. Of this, yes, me too. Of this extravaganza, so you obviously didn't buy TV Week before you watched them, like unlike me. We, I bought it too. <laughs> I did not crack it open. I ah, see, that was. I got to that double page spread and I thought, oh, hang on, there's big spoilers. I'm just going to turn the page straight away. I unfortunately was spoiled with this death. How? So I logged into the site to watch the episodes, oh. and I was quickly trying to scroll through to get to the episodes. And I saw a very distressed Sheila. Uh, Yeah, can we – this is just an inside baseball to the media team. Can you put them in reverse order, the episodes? Yes. Please, please. And also – try so hard. Did you notice on the Neighbours' socials today they released the 35th anniversary cast pick? Yes. And the only person who wasn't in it was Gazcan. So we're recording this on Tuesday night before the episodes have gone to air. So on Tuesday, Australian time in the socials, they released a cast pick without Gazcan, so the episode where he dies hasn't actually gone to air yet. So anyone who is trying to avoid spoilers is getting a bit of a hard time, not just from TV Week, but also from the actual Neighbours socials page. <laughs> I am so disappointed for that because it was such a joy to watch and to be genuinely shocked by the graphic Same. way he goes. Yeah, mm. I, this, I'm, I was completely, my mind was blown. I was shook. And we'll get to it, but I was shook for the whole night and morning after. I could not believe it. Because last week at the end of the episode, we um, we said who we thought the, the three deaths were going to be. Mm. I said um, Prue, Ellie and Millsy. And, and, you, I, and you said, it can't be Gary because he's got a role to fill. Yeah, he's he's the resident like whipping boy for the show. And it's a, he fills that role admirably. He's the, he's, he's the perennial loser. And he grew into that role for me. Like I was mm. a very slow to jump on board the gas train. Mm. But once I was there, I understood his place. I, I just wish that they hadn't have made Gazcan into a Casanova. Because they, they kept on trying to push storylines that he was, like, irresistible to women and he just would have been better as the shit-kicking loser. But I guess they've already got kind of puffy to fill that ex, ex-jailbird role as well. I No, I love the Casanova part because it must be strong, the power within Gary <laughs> for the rest of um, for the for, for all those other parts of him to not shine so he's got, above. Yeah. Got, got a lot of hidden charisma. Yeah, there's something. As Vaya said, there's yeah. something about Gary. Well, the other big shock moment. Now, I had an inkling maybe Prue was not long for this world because I can understand the impact of killing her off. You've got her distressed teenage daughter to pick up the pieces. You've got what I thought would be her her ex-lover left behind. Her, her, her grieving um, widower. Yeah. And 
Um, Prue has jumped into the silver car that Gary bought for her. Which I'd just like to point out has a different number plate to what it had last week. Oh. And I'm like, did Gaz can get it re-registered? And I'm like, but this actually explains that because when they first showed us the car, I looked up the registration on Vic Roads and it said the car was unregistered. And I was like, that's weird. Normally neighbours leave their cars registered, but obviously this one didn't need to be. Also, it used to belong to a different character. Perfect Blend pointed out. Yes, it was... Um, it was Declan's car, yeah. Uh, was that you during your tenure, Dan? <laughs> It was. Yeah. How sad is it that I actually recognised the car oh, did he? from 12 years ago? Was it was it actually a bit of a shit-hot car back then? Because now it looks a bit kind of clapped out. I think, I think it, it was. was meant to be, and I think it was involved in a car accident in some storyline as well. There was a ding on the side, which I can only attribute to you, Dan, I guess, to <laughs> cause that accident. That means that that car has sat around the neighbour's back lot for 12 years. Yeah. Never know when things will come in handy. <laughs> I'm did- glad it started. Maybe... Oh. Dee's car will be back soon. Did you notice the white smoke as she drove off? I was like, it was like clouds of white oh, smoke coming out of the exhaust. So we also have Chekhov's honeymoon boxes, which we'll talk about on our other episode. But we have the honeymoon packages that have been planted in the wedding boxes. And Millsy's done the old switcheroo and grabbed one of them and popped a bomb inside one of them. With, with shrapnel, a graphic amount of sh- shrapnel. I mean, I think, Kate, you observed he might make a better biology. Uh, he was a biology teacher, wasn't he? Oh, was he an English teacher? I can't remember. I think he did English and biology. That guy, look, all the sciences that yeah. man needs to be teaching. Chemistry, he, yeah. He's not a failure at life when it comes to these sorts of things. Mm. He's knocked this bomb together in a storage container, popped it into this honeymoon box, and Prue, thrifty as can be, wants to run after her groom, who's jilted her, and say, and hey, let's go to Rome. Things have got to be better in Rome. Yeah, she's strapped for cash. She's not turning down a free holiday. She's popped the box under her arm and hopped into the car and off she goes. And she's frantic- frantically calling Harlow, blasts her on the phone. That was some nasty messages she left for Harlow. If you ever listen to this, you'll be pleased to know that everything is falling apart for me. So congratulations. I hope you're happy. She's begging Gary to take her back over the phone. He's obviously not answering either. And then she's all like, I need a drink. Which, amazing. Like, just her form right to the end is just top notch. I love that she was going to open a bottle of champagne while driving. Yeah. I'm afraid to open one of them, like, at a dining table. (laughs) (laughs) In case it explodes. Turns out I'm damn right. (laughs) So Prue opens the box up and kaboom. Her whole car explodes. The whole freaking car exploded. I feel it was like a moment from E Street. but Oh, and all week they'd been planting little red herrings, like maybe one of the bombs will go off at the wedding reception. Mm. On, oh, yeah, because we thought, like last week, we thought, oh, my God, don't tell me. Like, that's the box that Paige and Mark and baby Gabe are holding. It's yeah. like, Jesus, oh. they can't kill a toddler. <laughs> that's like the grimmest moment of, like, neighbour's history. And also there's the Rome factor. No one wants to go to Rome right yeah. now. Ooh. Rome doesn't oh, want anyone in Rome right now. Everyone's yeah. dodged some bullets right there. Um, well, not really. No. Because but, for old Prue. She's dead. <laughs> but, she, did, she couldn't dodge all that shrapnel. This was, one and again, one of those moments that truly stunned me. I, mm-hmm. I was, did not see it coming. Well done. Dan, how did it play for you? Oh, it looks great. Yeah, it looks really good. I... Was a bit disappointed with the CGI driving stuff. Is that new? Is neighbours that doing the sitcom, you know... They shit? don't do a lot of it. Okay. They don't go to that well very often. Yeah, right. And I, now I know why. Yeah. 
but no, the explosion looked great. And was Kate, was that the death that you thought wasn't really a death? No. no that was oh, not. okay. I was going to say, because she's pretty dead. She's pretty exploded. That one's clear cut. Okay, but did good. you Did that shock you, Dan? Were you? Did you see that coming? Uh, well, as soon as she had the, um, we saw the box on the seat, I kind of thought that that might, might be the case. But no, not before then. Not sort of, you know, in the, I thought they did a good job of having it pass around various sets and locations back in the main show and... Yeah, that no, was a good device. And there's amazing threads left hanging. So obviously Harlow's been at odds with her mother and now has to live with this forever. The guilt. Oh, my God. Yeah, and has those awful messages to listen to. <laughs> and Kyle got to make up with his dad, but Harlow never <sighs> did. And she, <sighs> Harlow rang in to Gary and gave him the information where he called oh, off the yeah. wedding. Oh, yeah, so it's all on her, yeah. the way it all spiraled. If yeah. she hadn't done that, they'd be married, which is also a tragedy, but for different reasons. They still would have opened the Rome box and maybe there'd be more than them dead. Oh, Christ. So Harlow's saved a community of lives. She saved Susan because she would have been standing next <laughs> yeah. to the box and so would have Therese. I'm getting a bit worried about Susan. We'll talk about that later. But So into Thursday, things are getting really juicy. At this point, it was about midnight when I was watching, and that's the point where I went, got to keep going. Mm-hmm. Go to bed. <laughs> that's commitment. No, it was that point where I, was, I thought, nah, going to bed now. <laughs> I kept going. Yeah. And CJ stayed awake while I was still watching so she, so she could talk me through it. Okay. Now, it starts off with my biggest plot hole here is that gas cans go on around helping everyone make their tents weather tight for the storm. Yeah. And I was like, hang on, Coil is the handyman. Why is Gascan in on this? Because Coyle's on holiday. <laughs> Coyle's got some Roxy to do. <laughs> he's, do- he's doing some different kind of nailing. Yep. Um, also, it's very windy and this is Melbourne for you people. If you're a tourist in Victoria, this is what happens. You book your lovely little summer Erinsborough sunshine holiday on the beach and the winds will come and get you. And it- this is why you don't go camping with a newborn. Oh, yeah, my God, that poor baby. And if you're going to go camping, make it somewhere you can drive to. You don't have to take yeah. a dinghy. That's well, ridiculous. Also, Asta had one of the, the looks of the week, I thought. There was one point where Finn crawled into Ellie's tent to sidle up to her in bed. And he looks at, at Asta through the Sunbury cocoon cot. And she just gives him the most, like, menacing side eye. I loved that. <laughs> I actually made a note of that. Baby Asta, wide awake, silently staring at Finn. <laughs> She's like, for fuck's sake, mum, get up. <laughs> shit's, shit's hitting the fan. She knows. She's trying to warn everyone that Mills yeah. is... She, she, she's like Lassie on that island, that little baby. Because <laughs> later, in the next episode, she sounds the alarm so that Ellie doesn't have to board the boat with Finn, you know? Yeah. She's like, I'm going to cry now. Okay, mum, use this. <laughs> Turn around, mum. <laughs> okay, Gaz is raising the red flag. Re-B. He's like, what do you mean? Where's she gone? What's the go with Finn? He's asking all the questions that yeah. everyone else should like, be asking. Don't you find it a bit suspicious that someone's a young woman's gone missing around him? And then when he was actually, when he um, was going the old prison hard man with Finn, I was like, oh, how come we haven't seen this side of Gary in a while? Like, instead of him being the old pigeon fancier, I wanted to see him actually lay down the law with a few people. I think he was doing that a bit, and then I got jack of him. So <laughs> that gave him some girlfriends. Now, Harlow's down the well with B. Poor loves. They're trying to do some craft. They're trying to macrame a rope ladder and it's not going well. And here's where Harlow and B are putting the pieces together and Harlow's like, I knew something was happening because he was trying to find the paper towels. <laughs> it's just like 
Never reveal the location of your paper towels. Um, and I think this is a beautiful moment where the girls are blaming themselves for not seeing any of the signs of Finn's demise and then immediately making a pact not to victim blame themselves. Yet I fell in love with him too, twice. And I didn't see any of this. And I was closer to him than anyone else. He didn't slip up with you like he did with Yeah, but maybe he did and I didn't see it. This is so messed up. Let's make a pact. No matter what happens, the one thing that we don't do is blame ourselves. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, we're not responsible for this. Loved it. Oh, and this is where Harlow said sex as well. Oh, yeah. Like the... <laughs> when she's like, I had a fight with Hendrix and B's like, oh, because we're going to have sex. Like, yeah. I love... Because this is what I would do if I was lost down a mine shaft. I'd be like, oh, have you got some gossip to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your sex life because that's what I would – because they've got to wheel down the hours somehow. It's been like two days now. Yeah. I, I had an escape plan going. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you know how it's all boarded up at the side, which yeah. is obviously the supports for the – Climate. The, the wall. Kate yeah. says the word obviously like I, I know well, no, no, how a mine shaft is no, structured. No, it's shoring up the, the earth, earth walls okay. of the mine shaft. But I'd look at that and go, geez, it's a pretty old mine. Yeah, what's going to happen if I take away this board and then, like, do something with the timber to make a way to climb out of there? I mean, haven't we all seen Batman? Was it Batman? Yeah, Batman where, like, was it Bane? Had to, like, climb out of the walls? No. Well, no I, right. They should at least be trying to climb. It's old wood that would yeah. be not all even. And B's a mechanic. She can tinker. Well, she's half broken. But yeah, Harlow okay. at this point could be trying yeah. to climb. Until, Dan, what happens at this point? Well, a snake appears because it's... <laughs> Because it's Australia and it's conveniently right near the mouth of the mine shafts, just as Millsy is looking to silence them, and he he just shuffles it off down the down the mine shaft, which is a very clever move. He he, he does the classic Australian thing of picking up foreign snakes, which we all do every day, <laughs> don't we? Piffing them, and he took. Remember when we had a snake bandit on Ramsey Street a few years oh, ago? He did. It was in Gary's shed, shed. He was fully whacking day, like letting snakes loose on the cul-de-sac and terrorizing people. Who was that person after oh. again? I can't remember. I'll never remember. No, <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> you know how they're all like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna trap him in your backpack, the snake." Look, I'm not a person to say kill a snake, which I'm not. I don't want to kill any native animals. Snakes, let them be. But there's a time and a place. And I think if you're, if you're stuck in a mine shaft in the dark, you've already got large stones that Finn had tried to piff oh, yeah, at them. Yeah. Look, just go biblical on it. Just smack its head. Try and make it quicker, as, as Finn would say. Oh, yeah. But kill that snake. Then you can make a nice belt out of it and add it to the rope ladder. What were they actually thinking? Oh, yeah, we'll just get it in a bag. I've seen enough shows about zoos where you're like, you know, you don't fuck around with snakes. Also, no. it can also get it straight out of the bag. Are you going to try and do the zip up? Like, was it- I suppose they could have done the zip up and then thrown it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where? I don't know. Up. Just a montage of them trying to piff the snake bag up into the air. <laughs> the only thing that was disappointing about the under the mine shaft for me was that they didn't really seem to, and maybe it's coming. They didn't really seem to have gone, actually, we're not making it out, are we? Like, we're dying. Well, Harlow did because so the snake bites Harlow. It does, And yeah. then she... Um, oh, look, I, I was just thinking that we, yeah. we have to cut her some slack. She wasn't brought up in Australia. Yeah, and yeah. B knows the ways of the land. She's got a boat licence, for Christ's sake. And she knows I'm going to apply a compression bandage and, and Harlow's like, why? What's the point? And she's going to stop the flow of venom. Also, is the, the snake would still be alive, wouldn't it? I mean, it bit her. It's not like it's a bee, yeah, an actual a buzzing bee. It's it, it would still be alive, ready to bite 
other living creatures. I think they did. Did they actually get it into the bag? I think they may have done it. They they could be using this bag as a blanket to keep them warm at night. I mean, it's tropical. Okay, (laughs) tropical. Sorry, yeah, tropical. (laughs) Bee's probably still in her bikini. Oh, the heartbreaking moment is where Finn finds both of them down there. And uh, this is the moment where he's piffing stones down. He's like, oh, there's an extra girl down there. I've run out of traps. I'll just piff some rocks. Just like, just hurry up and die. And then at this point I had uh, Taylor Swift's um, You Need to Calm Down. And snakes and stones never broke my bones. So... Snakes and stones will break my bones. <laughs> this is based on this moment. I just thought, why didn't you both play dead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. But getting back to the campsite. I'm victim blaming. Sorry, ladies. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we don't know what we would do. I would, yeah, I wouldn't know how I would react, so I'm sorry. Look, I'd be trying to get out of that damn mine shaft. <laughs> that's, that's my number one thing. Yeah. I yeah. would be trying. Killing and- a snake, getting out, and then beating Finn over the head with like that bit of wood that helps him escape. And I would be having a panic cry, so <laughs> I can't judge. Um, but getting back to the actual campsite, Finn's pressuring Ellie, that he needs to leave with her to go and find B, And obviously Chloe wants to go with her instead. Which is sensible. Yeah, but Finn's like, no, nah, no, nah, you're not going. It's going to be me. Finally, Chloe realises Finn's acting NQR and calls the gang together. We've got six in the think tank. But my, there was a bit of a menacing note, note for me here. Finn kept on saying, oh, you know, we can take we can take the road through the national park. And I was just going, Belangelo. Oh, oh, shit. Is that what next week is? Reliving the backpacker killings. Next week looks horrifying. That's all I'm going to say. It is. Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to watch it right now. <laughs> I was looking at the map and I'm like, do they mean Highway 1? Yeah, I know. It's another four or five hours longer to Sydney going via Highway 1 I rather think, than the uh, Hume Highway. Yeah, I think uh, okay. Finn's plan is once they get to the mainland, they'll drive up to Sydney. But UK listeners, Highway 1's the highway that goes around the perimeter of Australia. Yeah, just don't take that on your own. facts. (laughs) (laughs) So, Gary, he's an ally for these women. He realises what's going on. Firstly, they're all on a hunt to try and find after Hendrix comes down to the site and says, hey, where's my girlfriend? And everyone's like, sorry, what? Why are you here? Mm. And she's been missing overnight now. Yeah, in a forest, which P- we know is not good. And P.S. Where is Toadie? At this point, it's been a few episodes since Toadie went missing and I suddenly like sat up in bed and just went, where's Toadie? <laughs> no one's got eyes on Toad. No, no one, because no one realises they need to. But Gary, he's doing very smart things for Gary. Yeah, I know. Uncharacteristically. Yeah. It's like his brain cells are having like one last burst of energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What are they? What do they call it before you die? Like lucidity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gary. Um. I oh. know oh, it's awful. I don't. I. I've been saying all along, don't kill Gary. Mm. I mean, yeah. we joke about him every week. Would yeah. you, Dan? If you were in the story room, would you fight for Gary to keep him around? Ah. Uh... No, I don't know that I'd fight hard for Gary. He is one of the. It's not, and I don't dislike the character of Gary. I think he was really good, but he's not one of the ones I would thought was sort of integral to the show, like some of the others. So if you sure. if you were looking at you know whose contracts are up, and they've kind of rolled him through as many relationships as I think they possibly can at this point. He's even, Humanly, yeah, he even kissed Dippy, didn't he? I saw on a promo yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So you know. He's kind of had his – he's had more women than I think Gary probably deserved. So it's probably oh, yeah. time for him to 
to move on. I mean, Suze was unlucky to miss out. (laughs) She was next. It's a shocking way to – I mean, it has the impact of you dispensing with a main character but not one of the crucial beloved ones. Yeah, he's not everyone's Australia's favourite Gary. To to respect Damien Richardson here, he got an absolute – Banger of an exit. Oh, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. Such a shock to, as a viewer. So it's building up to this. He has a father-son talk with Coyle. They go fishing together. Coyle ditches nude Roxy for some fishing with his old man. Mm. So how's Roxy just propositioning Kyle <laughs> in front of his father? <laughs> it is totally Roxy, though. <laughs> Do you want to come and help me with the spider in my tent? Oh, my God. Wearing just a towel. Meanwhile, Finn's in there going, better scoop that, that spider. That'll come <laughs> in handy. Yeah. But, but what's, what's with Gazcan? You reckon Gazcan would go, oh, you're into a winner here, mate. I won't you know, step on your toes. Yeah. You think that that was like the secret love language of Gary. Oh, sorry. Because uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, Dan, I don't know if you saw this, um, Gary was, we can only assume, pleasuring himself on webcam with Prue. Oh. Oh, oh. And then there was well, now, he definitely, now I definitely would have killed him for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> once, you do, once you get to do that. Once you get. <laughs> I think what Dan said is I don't know if I would have fought for, for Gary either because average Australian drongo, he's replaceable, right? Yeah. We can have another one of them. <gasps> you know what I'm saying? This is going to be the drongoing of Shane. Yeah. Oh. Now, now that there's room for him to grow into that role. Yeah. I'm and it also gives that. Colette Mann really good story moving forward, oh, I yeah. assume. So she, she deserves a bit of God. stuff. She is going to destroy us next yeah. week. That whatever she does next week in the performances, I'll be dead on the floor. She is. Oh, you know what I would love to see? It's not going to happen. But Xanthi come back for the funeral. Oh, if that's been kept a secret and she does, that would just be fucking amazing. All right. Home stretch. Islands in the street. That is what we are. Friday, the 20th of March, the hunt for Harlow is on. It's Hunger Games style. Finn's grabbed the archery set off of the Poang chair, the Ikea Poang chair. <laughs> that is at least a light thing to carry glamping. Yeah, it's a very good idea, Chloe. Uh, Gazcan's calling out Cooey for Harlow. Um, yeah, which carries. Yes. Unlike other people just going, Harlow. Like, if you rip out a Cooey, people are going to hear that a, a kilometre away. He came into entire form in his mm. last hours, didn't he? Went, he? he went a bit kind of like Bush Tucker Man at the end, <laughs> which is a reference for the old people here. <laughs> I'm um, sad we just can't celebrate that ever. Dippy would have loved it. Oh, yeah. She would have been all about yeah. it. So, Gazcan's been calling out Finn. He's probably distressed about the breakup. Well, everyone keeps saying that, making that excuse for him, and now Harlow's missing. What's that got to well, do with it? Well, it be the first time two young women have gone missing with him around. I mean, I know I'm probably just being paranoid after what happened with Xanthi, but... Chloe suss on Finn. Finn's can't hold it together, by the way. Terrible plan. He can't keep his wits about him when anyone questions him. I feel like I'm in a war movie here yeah. where um, Finn's gone rogue and he's hunting a human. Mm. It was genuinely, like, menacing. This point where he knows Gary's looking for Harlow right around the mine shaft. Yeah. So he's got to put a stop to it because he's going to happen upon the girls. One thing that was a bit annoying, obviously a teenage girl missing overnight in the bush is quite a big issue. But Ali and Finn are still going on about needing to get into the car. And, like, I understand we haven't heard from B for a bit. But as far as she know, we know, she was heartbroken. She sent a text message, said, I need some space right now. Leave me alone. And they're still banging on because Finn just so desperately wants to be alone with Ali. And it was annoying. Like, if I was Prue or Paul or any of Harlow's loved ones, I'd be like, can you stop for a minute? Like, you can sleep with your girlfriend's sister 
in a couple of hours when we found Harlow. <laughs> and Chloe calls Ellie out a bit because Ellie's like, oh, look, it's gotten a bit awkward with Finn. So, And Chloe's like, um, okay, this is a bit of an issue. Maybe you shouldn't take him with you to Sydney. Mm. <laughs> Right. And I bet Chloe's just thinking, I missed my brother's wedding for this. It's meant to be your party, goddammit. And I stuffed up my brother's other wedding for this. For you as well. <laughs> um, so finally she's figured out that Finn's hinky, something's going on. Um, now, Dan, you were, would have been working with Jody then Gordon back in the Home and Away times, wouldn't you? Indeed, yeah. Jody came on board, yeah, in my second year as script producer at Home and Away. What would she be like as a as an actor character to throw these sorts of big things at? Jody has come such a long way. Like when she first started on Home and Away, she was very green. She had only come from a modelling background, and she really, you know, worked really hard on Home and Away and found her feet. And I've been so impressed watching her career since I left Home and Away. She was on for another few years after I left, and then coming into Neighbours, and she's a really solid actress now. She has a you know quite a big range, and I think she handled this stuff really nicely it was hard to play some of this stuff like the realization stuff as Finn sort of getting increasingly nutso (laughs) on the beach and going for a trip down memory lane to Botany Bay and her sort of putting the pieces together that's really you know that's tricky stuff Mm. to play because she's only reacting she's got no dialogue to work with and she pulled it off really really nicely I thought she did a really great job and she's had to do a lot of stuff with her eyes because she's had a lot of feelings developed for Finn her ex who's now with her sister and a lot of turmoil about that and she hasn't been able to voice a lot of that so a lot of it has to just be done through the odd glance eye acting well she does have beautiful eyes so if anyone (laughs) should be doing eye acting it should be Jodie Dan are you from Sydney originally yeah, I grew up right near Botany Bay, actually. Oh, well, my husband did as well. Oh, and I go. said to him, oh, come on, who would go on a like excursion to Botany Bay? Isn't it like Cornell where all the refineries are? It's like going yeah. to Altona. No, no, no. Yeah. You don't go on an excursion to Botany Bay. No. Well, because my husband said, yeah, we went on an excursion <laughs> to Botany Bay. Oh. We'll ban for Botany Bay shortly. That was the big oh, undoing. Yeah. The big undoing. So Jody also played a key role in how exciting the Gary death was because Jody, not... Oh. Ali has said publicly that her character meets a grisly end. Oh. Oh. So well, that see, yeah. made all of us think that definitely she was going to die on the island. Damn. But she's not going to die on the island. She met someone else's grisly end. But does that mean that Finn's not going to die? Because like later on we s- – okay, so look, obviously we didn't cover this. Gaz can't get shot in the back. Hideous. And was this episode? Yeah. In archery, not even with a gun. Yeah. We see him under some branches looking pretty grey, like greyer than normal. I That was one of my most horrifying moments in Neighbours, in my Neighbours viewing career. It was a shock thing, but can we just take a moment to talk about the fact that Mills is not a very good murderer. <laughs> so he's he's got two people down a mine shaft, but isn't really finishing them off, even though he's got cans and cans of petrol and stuff, which is about to... Oh, yeah. used to set the entire island on fire. But he's also, he killed Gazcan right at the opening of the mine and he wants to conceal the body so no one can find it. So why didn't he just hoist it down the mine shaft? That he had... might have toppled on B and Harlow and ended them as well. It could have been a double whammy. But I just thought it was weird that he dragged the body away and then covered it with some tin roofing. Meanwhile, one of his other bodies is um, sailing away to Enya's Orinoco flow out at sea. Yeah. 
I just thought he's not very good at this caper. So anyway. See, that's why that's why I go, maybe Gaz isn't dead. He looks no, pretty dead. dead. He was pretty but grey. Look, he was he's ashen at the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually had to watch it three times. That, say, that moment because I didn't believe it. You, I couldn't believe you're it. You're strange to want to say that. <laughs> no, I just I was in complete disbelief and shock um, when. So Ellie, so we've skipped a bit, but when Ellie stumbles upon him in the shrub, she's terrified. I couldn't. She gives this blood curling scream, and I could not believe it was the corpse of Gary Francis Xavier Canning. The colour of him is entirely why they needed to take the colourist there for two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Yeah. So also, so what's happened is to take Gary out, Finn has hoisted up the archery set and there's this very obscure cartoon that I love, but there's a character that shoots an arrow and goes, Arrowed! Arrowed! Ow, my skin! And KB, my partner KB and I, um, he walked in and I was just in shock and he's like, what's happened? And I go, Gary's been arrowed. (laughs) (laughs) I've got in my notes, all in caps, Gazcan speared. (laughs) So he's bleeding, I guess, through the back right where the heart would, in the yeah, area of the heart. Heart area. It looks thereabouts, yeah. I mean, if he's not, if it didn't go through his heart, it went through his spine. and it, Yeah, but look, hey, Neighbours has got a great history of um, fixing quadriplegia. Yeah, but no deflated hearts, I'm afraid. No, he's oh. dead. So he's not in the cast photo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But look, no, red herring, <laughs> yeah. red herring, red herring for... Five days or something until we find out he's not but dead. But also someone pointed out online that Toadie's photoshopped in the cast photo. Yeah, a couple of them are. Well, they can't always get everyone there. Oh, a couple of them. Okay. But okay. they always are, aren't they? But yeah. what comforted me was that um, Sheila was surrounded by people and she actually had her arm around um, Aaron as well. And I was like, nah, that, that hand's going to be a bugger to edit out. So I'm like, she's she's comfortably safe in the middle of this photo. Yeah. Oh, no. Sheila's fine, mate. Sheila's fine. She's not going to... What, someone's going to tell her the news and she's going to have a heart attack? I don't think. (laughs) So, okay, this really dramatic moment, the climax, when Ellie's twigging, Finn recounts an old school memory of their days together. Finally, the penny drops for her and she's like, okay, he's remembered everything. And suddenly she's about to board a boat with him and her baby. No, but but what happens when he says, oh, that look in your eyes when everything's going to shit? (gasps) And I I think that, that was the moment where she's like, Oh my God, no one's ever sworn before, ever. <laughs> What's this word? Do you remember that excursion we took to Botany Bay? And it started raining, it started pissing down. <laughs> All your plans went to shit. <laughs> Dan, did you have a reaction to that? Well, I did because, you know, you, you can say shit in that time yeah. slot. And I thought it was interesting that they went there, but I wish they had have used it for a moment. Like, if you're going to do it, make it a moment that's like a really big mm emotional impact like if she had have turned to him when they're having their big confrontation right at the end and screamed at him enough with the bullshit Mm. like that would have been a really big dramatic moment but he kind of just used it as almost like a throwaway like you said it's pissing down with rain and you lost your shit it was just kind of like casual and I thought well you didn't really have that much of an impact so why go there like yeah Vera and I have both independently thought of different alternatives for shit and I I would have liked to have seen Gary get speared and then him just go shit oh. well i was thinking <laughs> i like that that's good yeah, harlow will be toppling down into the mine oh shit <laughs> in fact burn it all those times yeah so here's the moment where ellie's like shit i can't get on this boat shit asta lets out a whale good girl good, good work asta yes <sighs> and she goes i've got to feed her can you go heat up the bottle and oh, um, imagine i can't imagine 
taking a baby to an island where you have to actually heat up bottles as well. <laughs> it's, just, it's a nightmare. Ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Well, what's he going to? Where's he going to heat it up? Is he going to pop the kettle on? Or? I think he was actually going to catch the dinghy or whatever over to the main boat to use the oh kettle on the main boat Give- or something. Oh, okay. I mean, I know that babies don't like cold bottles, but seriously, just. Yeah, stick it down your shirt for a while. Let it warm up. Yeah, put it on the skin. Finn, Finn didn't know to tell her that. But. but okay, at this point, take your goddamn baby out of the capsule. It's a hindrance right now, Ellie. <laughs> but also, Kate has been asking Ellie to feed that child for months. <laughs> finally. <And laughs> finally. But also, like, we, we haven't discussed her ending her breastfeeding journey. No, we haven't. I think maybe she's mixed feeding. I mean, I'm, I'm for that yeah. because of the amount of drinking, especially. <laughs> but also, I just thought it was it was a little bit divisive. Mm. So, I would have liked it if she ended her breastfeeding journey a couple of weeks ago because yeah. that would have, like, killed that. And if she actually had trouble breastfeeding because that would have explained all of those other circumstances where she didn't feed the child. And it would have made a great plot point, great relatable content. Like Paige had problems breastfeeding, another, like, you know. That said, it was nice that they did make an effort to normalise breastfeeding with the baby. They could could have done it more often. Yeah. In the interest, um, interest of the welfare of the poor child. But now, yeah. here's where I can't judge Ellie because I would be a puddle of water. But just sit on the beach and wait for Finn to take the boat a few metres away before uh, you run off. Un- unhook your baby mm. and put it you know, up on your shoulder like you're comforting it and then, like, yeah, run like, like the wind. Yeah. She, at this point, she finds the two phones, um, Bees and Toadies, realises what's gone on pockets them, takes the capsule and runs off in a very obvious fashion so that Millsy twigs. I must say, who makes that capsule? Kate or no? Maybe it was a Brytax one. I'm not sure. Let's say it is. I think before you have a baby, those capsules look really convenient. <laughs> and I feel that they sponsored this to make it look like, you know what, when you're running from a murderer, you need a capsule. <laughs> All I can remember is that, so the last baby I picked up in a capsule was my son when he was about 11 months old. And by that time, they are very big and it is hard work. But they're hard work at any stage, really. I mean, they're convenient, but no, no, this is is crazy stuff. Take the baby out, run. You can actually like hide even better without having this massive, you know, like like you're carrying around a microwave with you. And then obviously Asta starts crying and Ellie just has to go, shh, 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 shh. Like, "Mm." Pick her up, put your finger in her mouth, like calm her down, like do something. I I was crossing my legs to not pee myself. I was so scared because I yeah. thought the baby was going to, yeah. They, they, look, they're never going to kill a baby, are they, Dan? We haven't seen no. next week. What, how, what do you mean? Why are you so sure, Dan? You don't kill unless it's a cot death story and it's like a social like a social issue story. Which Home and Away did and scared me for decades. Yeah. No, you don't kill off a baby in an act of aggression okay. or revenge or anything. Ooh. That's like a... A no-no. Too dark. Too dark. Plus, little baby Isla, is uh, her mum's in the Neighbours Council on Facebook having a great old time, so she's in good spirits. Could you imagine watching that? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Finn, by the way, this whole time is narrating everything for, like as he's running and ex- finding ex- her. Exposition, yeah. Finn. Um, is this the point where Toadie washes up? Oh, yes. And who comes to the rescue? Well, Paul Robinson just happens to be driving by, which is... Very convenient. Um, and he hobbles down with his one leg to the beach and, and saves. There's some top, top-notch top hobbling on those dunes. He does do some. It's, it's yes. very upsetting that he goes on his own because he's, he's basically running to find Harlow because they've cottoned on that she's on her own with Hendrix on this island mm. and he goes after her. But someone should have gone with him. I, I feel it speaks to Paul's inner humanity that he's like peering out onto the beach as he's driving, sees some random figure just keel over and he's like, oh, 
better go and help him. That was quite sweet because he doesn't know it's Toadie. Also, wouldn't he have driven past the blown up car? Oh, yeah, shit. I, that's, I was waiting for that. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. I was waiting for this to appear in one of the, the daytime episodes where it's like, oh, there's been a, there's been a car explode. Mm, that's yeah. weird because that's not an everyday occurrence in Melbourne. And Trace is like, look at some kid called Declan. I think that used to be Paul's <laughs> stepson. <laughs> Also, Prue was lost. That was, She was in a tiz and she was driving all over the place. She could have been in Mildura. Yes. We don't know. Paul probably took a direct route. She, she was trying to open a bottle of champagne while driving. <laughs> Who knows where she was? Let alone operate the sat-nav. Mm. So she had her phone on the... On the holder. On yeah, the holder. Yeah, that's nice. That's good, yeah. He runs to Toadie, give, finds out it's Toadie, washed up. Like, Toadie is beached as... On that beach. Yeah, with a big gash. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realise that it wasn't the island. It took me a while. I thought, oh, no, he's washed back up on the island, but he was on the mainland. Yeah. So he fully Drifted. harrowed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went like, across the I reckon, water. I reckon they've all got kind of like rudders or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like something they, they become <laughs> unconscious and suddenly they're steered to shore. Well, you know who would? A Rebecca, the fish fam. Sure. They're all over it. Paul then has to drag Toadie up to the be- to the road. You know, mobile coverage is generally pretty good in mm. Australia. Why didn't he just ring for an ambulance there and then? He didn't have reception, Kate. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. it. That's what he said. Dan, can you give us another story fix for instead of no phone reception, what could have happened? Oh, no, this is the great bugbear of every storyliner's life now. The technology mm. ruins everything. Ah. And the, you can only have so many excuses for why there's no co- mobile coverage. And, it, yeah, it just drives everyone mad. So I, I forgive them that one because it's just, yeah. I've got one. I've got a solution. He saw the man on the beach, grabs the water bottle, leaves his phone behind, runs down to the beach, doesn't have his phone, and then when they run back up to the road, he's misjudged the distance. Because, remember, he couldn't find the that car. Was, how did he not... Lose his car. That was a weird moment. He could have dropped his phone in a rock pool. Or he could have just found his way back to his car and instead of hailing a car that happened to be Millsy's gay lover, Millsy's gay lover could have just appeared with a gun as Paul took Toadie back to his car and said, yeah. get in. Belangolo style. Could yeah. have been like a beach, random beach coma. Yeah. This was my other holy fucking shit moment. This really got me. When they... They flagged down the car and I did not see it coming. I was not ready mm. until Hendrix started going, hey, there was a weird fisherman. <laughs> and he's giving some... Everyone's like, really? A fisherman? They flagged down the driver. They popped Toadie in the car. Then Paul says, there's a psychopath on the loose, um, which my friend Joe and I wrote a horror story, a comedy horror story in high school. And there's a psychopath in the school is was one of the catch cries. And this reminded me of that. And the driver turns around. It's Harry fucking Sinclair with a gun. And I love that he was holding the gun like he was a 1920s bank robber. <laughs> Hello, I've got a gun. <laughs> um, I'd just like to point out that if you watch that scene again, there's someone in the front passenger seat or there's something. So look at the top. Hang on. I took screen caps of two different moments. So look at the top of this seat there. There's a dark shape there and there. It's gone. There was something See that was okay, look, it's the... barely a millimeter, but no, sure. it moved. It was actually really <laughs> obvious that there was something. There. I don't know if it was actually the cameraman or whatever. Well, yeah, it would have been the cam- the camera, right? Yeah. Well, unless he's got a dog sitting in the front seat, we'll, well find that's out. Cute. Oh, that's nice. Maybe <laughs> got a rescue. <laughs> it's good for it's when he, like a wolfhound for when he builds his life in the snowy river ca- river cabin with Finn and with Finn. and and the dog. I wonder it's what kind of dog. Maybe he probably stole um, Clancy. No, um, 
the Matt's dog. Oh, Vera Punt's bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it'd fit into their lifestyle. Oh, that's Very beautiful. Cute. Okay, so here's like I just okay. This was really thrilling. This last ten minutes, and I was just a mess. I'll put photos of me watching this in the council. We're back on the beach. Ellie has stumbled across the corpse of Gary Canning, which horrifies everybody. <sighs> screams and then kind of sort of fade to black as Finn finds Ellie, grabs for the baby and then they're screaming and it all finishes. But then zombie. Oh, yeah, a cover of zombie. I noted that too. It's by a Dutch DJ. Oh. Yeah, I shazammed it. It was awesome. Was it? I loved it. I loved it. That's one of my son's favourite songs. The Cranberries version. Mm. Cute. He makes me um, open the sunroof. And play it really loud. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably what Millsy wanted to do as well. Probably. What happens then? He burns down the entire island. That does a bit of back burning. He's a responsible, (laughs) responsible citizen. He's an environmentalist. But I think that in a bushfire, being down that hole is probably good. Hey, yeah, they said like the wombat survived by being down in holes. Yeah. I mean, but it's wood beside them. He sets the whole friggin' island on fire. He takes these petrol cans, runs them was, around, was, and tortures the joint. It was very green, that island. I don't know. I said, someone's been managing the vegetation. But we don't know. We know that he battles Ali first and takes Asta. That's oh, the presumption yeah. that oh. we have. I'm so scared. CJ already told me that it wasn't going to be over when she watched the fifth episode. Sorry. And I, but, no, but I was like, what are you talking about? How I, I don't know. Now, Dan, through his media connections, has seen a little snippet of Monday. Is Do we get another death on Monday? You do not get another death on Monday, but I will say I really enjoyed this week and I thought it was great and I think everyone did an awesome job. But the masterpiece for me is the very next episode. It is, oh. it is one of the best episodes of Neighbours I've ever seen. Oh, my God. It is exceptional television. That's is, exciting. Is it, and it, but it also just sets the scene for, I haven't seen anything after that, but I can only imagine that the Tuesday episode, the second episode next week, uh, is going to be even more dramatic because stuff is going to happen. Shit. Yes. Oh, my God. So we've seen a promo yeah. that highlights Robert Millsy Mills and Jackie Woodbone. Yep. It's going to be a psychological thriller. Yeah. It's well I can tell you that's not a spoiler to say that that promo that you saw that said Jackie Woodburn Rob Mills um they're the only two that mm. appear in the episode. Oh, oh. a two-hander. They have like the mo- like a movie there's no opening titles and their names come up before the credits like it's you know <gasps> they're starring in a is- movie. It's it's pretty awesome. This is what they did last year with Sonia's mm. death episode where it was just Sonia and mm. Toadie. Yeah, I think this is their Logie's most outstanding episode. episode. <gasps> yeah. So I think I saw Jackie right when she just filmed this for an interview and she looked visibly rattled. She just looked like when she was talking about what they'd just filmed, she was like, oh, you guys are not going to believe this. When, when did you say her? Um, well, like a, like a few months ago. Yeah. yeah, towards yeah. the end of last year. If everything is right in the world, this will be Jackie Woodburn's Logie nomination for sure. She's extraordinary. We've got to get behind it. Oh. Well, extraordinary in this episode. Dan, I felt that way after seeing the promo, so I cannot <laughs> yeah. imagine what. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the week. It was, that was sorry. It was it was just a lot. I just it was a lot to get our heads around. I'm I'm completely gobsmacked. I just didn't think. I just don't think Neighbours ever really needs to go to that dark place because I think I'm perfectly happy with 
mundane kitchen storylines, but I know that that's not what gets viewers in. I appreciate they had to go to a big dark place. I, I feel it was yeah. an interesting experiment yeah. for them to dabble into. I must say, someone mentioned on the council that they are enjoying watching these Neighbours episodes because even seeing three deaths and five weddings is a bit of an escape from reality right now. <laughs> and reality's um, no good right now. Reality's quite doomful. So this has actually been quite good. And I, I enjoy TV where I'm like, you know what, I'm okay with you putting an archery set in because yeah. this paid off for me. Yeah. So I like this high drama. I'm happy about it. And it actually really did take my mind off the world it, for five hours. It, for me. I wish everyone could watch it in a five-hour slot like we did. Well, if you haven't, if you've saved it up or if you know someone who's saved it up, get them to watch it all in one hit and like talk them through it on messages. Yeah. <laughs> Do it together. Actually, um, I did say online, I did um, hear a um, post online and one of them said you should watch TV together to oh, be yeah. connected in this time. Mm. Yeah. And the line said, like Gogglebox, but there's no camera. And I'm like, what, you mean like the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, should we do – I think should we do a citizen and a citizen each for the week, of do you the think? Murder- okay. yes. Of the week. All right, I have to think. Okay. Of the whole week? Of the island okay. epi- late night episodes. There was another speculation because the UK saw them a few hours apart, whereas we saw them back to back. Oh, yeah. Oh, did what's they? the Yeah. What's Maybe the more- that's how they got those things in. I think that was at like a 10 p.m. episode. Mm. Yes, it was after Watershed in the UK. So some people were debating what was the more impactful way to watch it. And some people are enjoying the break, whereas I love just devouring it in one hit. Look, I have to say, as a concerned parent, it was a bit heavy at 7 p.m. with my small children still up. <laughs> Um, I think I probably would have preferred to watch it a few hours later. After I'd digested maths, then I could have watched Neighbours after that. <laughs> Are you pumped for Clochella? Let us glamp your style at our five-star eco-tourist destination on Unnamed Island. Unfortunately, we're not taking any bookings for the rest of the year. No, we haven't gone viral. We're just closed for re-landscaping. And until Forensics has given us the go-ahead. So sign up to our mailing list at graceandglobal.com because Clochella 2021 will be lit. Not literally, though. Free welcome basket on arrival. Okay, so look, I am going to give Shitizen to Chloe. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because she's um, organised this swanky glamping trip away and, you know, she's married to a billionaire and she didn't get a bloody butler and chef to sort out the shitty side of this occasion. You know what she could have got for $580? Mm-hmm. A satellite phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what also could have been amazing? Harry rolls in as the butler. <laughs> you know what gets me when um chloe was going oh with toady coming oh i don't really want to get an extra tent can i get ellie you're married to a billionaire anyway you just get a little tent um okay and then my citizen for the first time in known history is going to gary francis oh. xavier canning valet valet gaz can we knew you too well <laughs> <laughs> But the way you actually got all your brain cells moving together at the end and sussed out that, yeah, Finn was a bad dude and you nearly stumbled upon the girls, then mm. bravo. He's an ally. Yeah, he's an ally. That's how it ended up. Gary, that's how it ended up. He's a, he died a hero. He well, did. Well, maybe died a hero. He died a – somebody <laughs> attempting to be a hero. Yeah, I think I think Gazcan has to be the citizen. He, he only stripes in the end. That's my citizen. And my citizen's Ellie. Yeah. She's a terrible sister. 
Oh, like, yeah. B's, B's left and, yeah, Ellie just doesn't seem... So apart from the, an odd text message here and there, it isn't giving enough of a... Enough of a care factor. She's like, I haven't had sex since I conceived my baby. Oh, yeah, no, she didn't. Do you reckon she slept with Sean when they had their three-day relationship? Mm, I know. Look, either way, there's been a drought going on in her know. life. But also, she's not even enjoying her birthday party. Don't endure it. Just pack up and leave. <laughs> CJ, do you have? I'm going to echo and give Citizen to Gary for being the only person that didn't let Finn, you know, continue on with killing people like he did let him but he tried not to he tried not to (laughs) and you know we've we've had issues in australia with people getting let out on parole when they shouldn't and people not being tracked and all that and if if we were if we had more gary's things maybe would be better more late in life gary i was gonna gonna say he's a jailbird himself he was let out of prison that's why he knows he knows okay okay um and i'm gonna go citizen I just, I'm sorry, I'm going to be the basic B here and just give it to Milsey for killing people. Fair call. I think that's reasonable. And breaking Harry's heart. He provided us with the sauciest scene in Neighbours 35 years this week. <laughs> well, I'm going to give him shitizen for just abandoning Harry and not continuing that love affair. Okay. Oh, that's no love. So not at least giving him a kiss. He should have, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm switching. I'm giving Milsey shitizen <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, you've got that dog. You've got a bit of life together. <laughs> um, I have to do – okay, look. No, you, have to, you have to do a clean sweep for Gary. Yeah, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. But first I've got to do a shitizen. So we've covered off that Finn is an established shitizen. That's good. His male violence towards his loved one, that's no good. Mm. Uh, Just for wanting to swap women. Yeah. But I am giving shitizen – first I thought maybe Coos, maybe Dr. Naka. And then I thought, no, the entire justice system has failed Erinsborough. It's allowed a problematic amnesiac terrorist to be on an island with only a supervision for 12 hours. And I just don't think that's good enough. Mm. You've let Harry out on parole before he was ready. (laughs) I feel like this is another dark day for Erinsborough police. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, for the first time in Neighbours history, citizen to Gary Francis Xavier Canning. Yep. You came good, all I, mean, I ever wanted. I wanted you to come good and you sorted yourself out in the end. And as Dan mentioned, he's fallen on his sword to give us what Colette's going to give us next Gosh, week. Oh, Jesus. But you went with your instincts that, that you saw the flags. We're meant to look for the red flags and you saw them and you raised the alarm. And so you waved them and nobody cared. Nobody, that's all we could ask of people. And so now he won't be remembered as a webcam masturbator. He'll be remembered as a hero, <laughs> which if, is all that matters at the end of the day. If Kate has anything to do with it, we'll never forget that either. <laughs> I, I need to take Maxies and give a citizen to Dan for that line. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a bumper edition, but hey, everyone's on lockdown, so they've got time. Dan, you are currently running script workshops. Yes. People can find out more and learn from you about the craft of TV writing 
at danmbennettproductions.com. Yeah, very exciting. Some workshops coming up and also chatting TV on TV Binge Box. Oh, new ah. podcast. New podcast. And we'll be doing a big shout out to Neighbours in our very first episode to celebrate the 35th anniversary. So oh. listen out for that one too. So we, we gave you a bit of like homework that you can use for, for two purposes. Totally. It saved me. <laughs> it saved me having to watch extra stuff. In fact, you got to binge box it. Indeed, I did. What do we learn if, if we sign up at Dan and Bennett Productions? What are you going to teach us? So the workshop is the basics of screenwriting, but especially how a writer's room operates. So we go through some of the theory of what it takes to, to be a screenwriter and work in the industry. But then we sort of run a mock writer's room where we come up with the idea for a show together and then plot out an episode and create the characters and create the world and give the people who come along an idea of how you sort of get a show off the ground. Oh, that sounds super fun. Yeah, it sounds awesome. CJ, where are you hanging out? CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram. Kate? I'm at Remude on Twitter and at home for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Uh, Me too. Yes, stay home. Hashtag stay the fuck home. Tweet us at NeighboursPod. I'm at Vaya Pashos. Vays on Instagram. We are all having a party in the Neighbours Council. Have a read through all the threads that are hopping and, and pa- patreon.com slash neighbourspod to jump on board. We only need 20 more people before the three of us are forced to organise a Neighbours Night. An event that will be in six to 12 months. We're going to have to do event management like to rage. Yeah. We'll do with our hair down. <laughs> We're going to be doing it better than Chloe. I can say it that <laughs> Promise. Promise we'll do a recce ourselves first before making you do it. No hat boxes, please. <laughs> Done. Dan, thanks for connecting via Grace and Global. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to chat. <laughs> and we will chat to you guys in our next episode, which covers all of the much more lighthearted wedding episodes. And spoiler alert, we get to see a lot of Charlene's wedding dress. Oh, I didn't even notice it. What? No, I mean, they pointed it out. <laughs> Oh, just You were just fast-forwarding. Give me murders. I was just probably oh. screenshotting Millsy's ass again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll speak soon. Bye. 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 Whew.